Hey everybody, welcome to episode 28 of the MTG Grindcast, the spikiest podcast in all of Central North Carolina with a special focus on the SCG Tour. We are your hosts, I'm Chris Castor-Apple, and unfortunately, Collins Mullen is not available to join us today. Uh, he tried, but apparently, internet in Spain is not good enough to podcast from when everybody's trying to moto all at once. So it is just me today, but along with me are some of our friends who are uh, quite good at winning tournaments. Apparently, we know lots of skilled magicians. Uh, so today we've got the SCG Philly champs. We've got <laughs> Lucas Boom Michaels, Boom. Uh, <laughs> Boom, Jeremy Henry, and William Lowe. So how are you guys today? Congrats. We're champs. Hey, still thanks. Having no sleep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we are We are unfortunately recording this pretty late in the day. I guess it's, it's much later for me than it is for you guys. You guys mostly just got home from work, right? Yeah. Yeah. Still there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. We'll try not to keep you too long. So, yeah, Philadelphia. It was great. Was it great? Is it nice to win a tournament? It's fantastic. That's good. Yes. There's a lot of validation for me. I mean, um, I don't have any, you know, super fantastic accomplishments. And uh, to put something on your, you know, your checklist or your accolades or whatever, it, it it's really validating. So, and then to get to have that experience with friends means a lot as well so it's, it's, it's very fun winning winning magic is is great but there's a lot of um enthusiasm that kind of comes back to you for the game after uh an accomplishment like that so yeah i i love magic but it, it, we all know it's it's super frustrating so winning is is good for the soul there yeah the other chicken soup <laughs> way, way better than chicken soup way better definitely really and then you like lose in the final and like I mean, you don't play enough to get there all the time so it's like oh you never know if you'll get there again <laughs> sure as chris knows <laughs> well yeah yeah it was much nicer to win even a much smaller tournament than than to come in second place it's just a much better feeling to end on a on a w so i guess jeremy to sort of bounce off of that and call you out a little bit uh, I figure yeah. we should talk about what all of your previous magic accomplishments are so people can kind of know who you guys are. Since you were the guys in the top eight not wearing esports jerseys, <laughs> I guess it would be helpful yeah. to uh, introduce the magic pasts. So, as I said, I, d- I don't have any super specific great uh, finishes. I have gotten to my point in um, kind of in my magic career where I'm comfortable making um, deck decisions and getting to where I'm, I'm cashing most events. I think last year, 2017, uh, I played in two Grand Prix and cashed them. I cashed uh, the Envy and then kind of every Open that I played in, except for one, I 6-3'd and scrubbed out, ran deep in some of them. I, I'm the North Carolina state champion in modern from 2016. Before we went to the PPTQ season system, several top eights, a handful in there. So, like, uh, nothing nothing special like this team constructed open, though. Yeah, it's really hard to actually get there into the elimination rounds in this sort of tournament. But, like, like doing consistently well like that is, is kind of all you can all you can really hope for and then just spike them every once in a while. So, it was really cool to, to see that 
that you guys had made it. That was a nice thing to wake up to. Yeah, yeah. It's it, it, <laughs> we started off the tournament so so uh, almost dead. We we were one and two after round three. We did a lose, a win, a lose, and so we uh, all were kind of like, "What in the world are we doing here?" <laughs> <laughs> and so we just didn't didn't lose again. Period. Until we had trophies. Yeah, we yeah we drove drove through the night. Carved out our whole weekend, and then three rounds, and we're, we're our backs are up against it with one loss until we're until we're done. <laughs> and we're like, "Wow, this is a great decision." Yeah, good thing that loss never came. <laughs> so, I guess, uh, William, what are your magic accomplishments? And then we can keep going with talking about the tournament once people know who you guys are. Pretty much, I like Legacy, and I never I used to play like most of the day two Legacy opens when they still had them, but they don't have them anymore. So now I travel a lot less, and I just go to local Legacy tournaments a lot. I try to keep up with the, all of the formats, and I, whenever I feel really good about a modern tournament, I'll go to an open, and I usually end up cashing. I have like a handful of caches and uh, modern opens, and you'll see like random deck lists that just don't make sense but they're metagame choices i felt good about uh i guess about four years ago i i like hit the finals of a legacy open and got smashed by burn then and it's about all i've done <laughs> yeah but your your name shows up in a lot of these uh deck lists <laughs> but the the ones in texas aren't actually me it's just some <laughs> other guy who i've never actually met but we were at the same tournament one time when in the legacy GP. And, and that was confusing for a while because I always use the paper pairings as my internet never works in convention centers. And it always showed two William Lowe's. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I'll admit to not knowing that there was another William Lowe showing up in the results until this morning when we talked a little earlier. So a little confusing when looking up your, your magic history. But so legacy yeah. is kind of your, your format of choice, at least. Yeah, I definitely like have tried almost all of the decks so i think i have like i know what's going on there and but I, it's always hard to find a deck you enjoy they banned my miracles deck so now i'm stuck trying to find a deck i like <laughs> <laughs> and lucas yeah you've been star citying it up for for quite a while have a number of finishes finally got a top eight uh, a couple of months ago during uh, Invitational Weekend. That was actually my second. I had a, a t- an open or a team open top eight with- Right, that's true. With Magic Celebrity Hunter Nance and my favorite podcast co-host, uh, Collins Mullen. Ooh, boy, what a shame that he couldn't be here today to hear that. Yeah, we, we teamed together in the second one and I was modern. But going back on my Magic history, I've actually, I played a, a couple of pro tours. And in fact, my, my first pro tour was a, a modern pro tour in 2015, and I, I 6 0 limited, which is how I qualified. So I was uh, feeling great, and then I 3 7 modern, losing the last two matches to not cash. So oh. I was live, I was 9 5 and double lost. So after that tournament, they, people called me the uh, limited master modern disaster. Oh, <laughs> they sure That's a did. Terrible superhero name. Which is a name that stuck around for a little while, and now like the only format that I went in is modern as I was playing modern for that first team open top eight for my fourth place, third place finish at the Roanoke Open, and then again at this one. Um, we're all modern. So I've been playing a lot of constructed on the Cersei Tour. I had a buy for a little bit last year. I have a buy again as of this morning. I'm up to 22nd, which I think is pretty good for people that have like jobs. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's tough. Wait, you don't count playing Magic Online all day long as a job that doesn't qualify? I personally do not count that. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Hot takes. I don't, count it as a, I don't count it as a job that is a handicap to you getting better at magic. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
butt. Those people are going to kick your butt in Magic. Yeah, they they have the chops. Yeah, I was looking on the list and like I counted, I think two ahead of me. Uh, Brian Koval, who won the MD, and Eli Cassis. Those those were the two I counted that I know like go in nine to five. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I was like, oh, I was like, well, Magic is Magic is rough, and I feel like that um, to sort of segue into. I guess the rest of us are as a team or maybe how we found each other is we're all like, I consider pretty good and put a pretty good results when we can play, but um, we're not 21 anymore and have to like <laughs> spend our days doing other things like Jeremy's married or we all have jobs or was it a doctor? Yeah, I think, I think Lucas, um, what I hear you saying is we, we don't have as many opportunities, right? We're not there as often. I mean, I play a lot of tournaments. It's more for playtesting or for being able to to like work on actual getting in reps in between tournaments. This is for me. just both, yeah. So does that has that influenced like your deck choices or your your testing in any particular concrete ways? I think it definitely has. Like uh, Will can speak to it a little bit, but I think he played. He he owns all of Legacy. He's played. He has like an open finals with with a blue deck. He's played lots of brainstorm decks, but he chose to play Turbo Depths in part because it was a good metagame choice, but also in part because it requires a little bit less sort of being on it every day than some of the other decks. And my dredge deck, if you notice, was 74, the same 75 of what I top forward with four weeks earlier. Yeah. So like a friend of mine who's qualified for the Pro Tour is asking me for like why I chose this card over this card. And I re- really was like, <laughs> was like, Ryland, it is the deck that I know. <laughs> it is literally the same deck that I like looked, didn't think anything was egregiously off and just ran it and sort of, I mean, I felt confident, and it wasn't play- and wasn't just like showing up with a deck just to to play. And I thought I could win with it, which turned out to be true. <laughs> but I just don't have the time to make tweaks in and out of every day, like like some other people do. Right. Well, and like you don't have the fetchland mana base in your deck either. Like like that that adaptation didn't get added uh, for this tournament. I, I I knew about it. I just really never tried it. I just right. tried this five color one first. Didn't have any major problems with it, and that was why. Like some of my friends feel strongly one way or the other. But yeah, honestly, I just didn't have time to try both, which turned out to not be too costly, but uh, but just sort of something I think about when I think about preparing for management so, and my limitations at this point in my life. Right, right. Because even if, you know, even if it's better to not go with the, if, if it's ultimately better to not play fetch lands because like not taking pain and being able to cast your Narcomoebas is, is more important than being able to instant speed out your blood gas. Like the fact that you don't know that is kind of, fru- it, like that's got to be kind of frustrating, right? Oh yeah, it definitely is. Like I definitely, like given sort of, like now I play some leaderboard or what I think I could do when I'm on my A game, I definitely think that if I was sort of where I am now, pre-job or like when I'm leaving college or in college, I definitely could have put up, had a higher peak ahead of me where I feel like now I just don't know how much better I could be playing without de- devoting that much more time that I, that doesn't exist. But yeah, that's a little gloomier considering we're here as, as recent champions. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Like the, clearly the, the peaks are higher than, than you thought maybe a couple of days ago. Yeah, exactly. No, I mean, and I thought we could win. Like, I didn't really think we were almost underdogs in very many matchups. Sure. Like, uh, like in our quarterfinals against Team Lotus Boxer, uh, <laughs> who has won a team open before. Noah's a gold pro. Dylan's fantastic. Yeah, I didn't. I thought we could beat them. I thought we had good matchups, and and yeah, and felt confident in our in our abilities to play. Jeremy never loses to Dylan. Is that true? Yeah, but it. it I think it is. I but. <laughs> yeah, specifically to the quarterfinals, like there, there's certainly a skill gap 
in in the team, but I don't think it was large enough to to feel like we weren't going to win, right? Like you still can look at things on paper and like after a certain point you're talented enough at magic to determine like where where things are favorited if you understand, you know, how you're sideboarding and stuff. And so I didn't think the skill gap between the teams were was going to be a large enough gap to swing the match back to Lotus Box, right? Unfortunately for them, but uh, yeah, I mean, I definitely got smashed. But like, you smashed Dylan, and then he basically joined the Legacy match, and I was facing like Noah and Dylan combined, and it was, <laughs> it was like, yeah, really perfectly. I, no, I didn't. I didn't smash Dylan whatsoever. I mean, we had a great match. Oh yeah. Also in that quarters match, I was on a mold of five in Zango's turn one cage, and then I just go, I just go like perfect. Grudge it in the untap, good dredge, conflagrate your your squad. Yeah, good deal there. That that was that was a good draw step. So you guys want to talk about just sort of how the whole tournament went, and then you can you can certainly tell the story of those those quarters as part of it. But if we sort of start from the beginning, you guys started off one two, gloom and doom set in, and then uh, things went a little better from there. Uh, yeah, it was not feeling great. Jeremy told me that I think I think he said the the opponent that he fell outplayed him the most was round one, and I think I yeah I got smashed. I think round two and round four. Yeah, it just didn't feel like it was going all that smoothly. And then we just sort of realized we. we we didn't have any more to give and just started rattling them all off. <laughs> My dredge deck beat Scred Red, which has main deck Angers, main deck Relics, which I, which I didn't think I was going to beat. I think the most exciting round of the first day was definitely round nine, which Will pulled off like the most miraculous win of all time after I, I get crushed by a mold of five in my game three. <laughs> We'll tell how he won that game. Yeah, let's hear that. So I take this miserable mulligan to five, but I feel confident in the match because, like, Jeremy had already won and Lucas's opponent took his mulligan to five. Uh, he can tell you what happened there, but basically my opponent apparently showed me this, like, perfect hand after the game, and he, he opened with one land, pedal, show and tell, omniscience, emrakul, grizzle brand, and I'm on this mulligan to five. <laughs> I keep this uh, dark depths and vampire hex mage hand, with some other garbage that doesn't matter. And I'm like, well, maybe if he show and tells quickly, I can steal a win by hex maging the dark depths. So we start playing and he misses land drops. I miss a couple land drops and something like six or seven turns later, uh, I managed to draw lands. He didn't. And I just had the land to make Merrill agent. Well, he had a bunch of counter spells in hand. So then he just died. (laughs) (laughs) And we had six turns to draw land. To, to stop us from making day two and just couldn't do it. Well, I, I mean, you definitely have to get lucky, right, <laughs> to win a Magic tournament. So round nine, we were very, very lucky. Maybe the luckiest uh, round of the tournament, honestly. Yeah, and on my side of that, so I'm on the play, game three with Dredge. My opponent goes to five. I'm feeling great. And his five was Land Lamb, Nile Spellbomb, Scavenging Ooze, Eternal Witness. <laughs> and I just can't <laughs> win. <laughs> So yeah, so that turned sour, and then just like I'm just like de-sideboarding, and Will's like, "We got it!" Like, and I just can't even believe that, he, that that's what he said. And then, and then sure enough, and then we have off to some beers and ready for day two. Beers and uh, like thirty pounds of meat. <laughs> Where did you go? Fogo de Chao, a Brazilian steakhouse, which I had never been to. And wow. for those uh, for those who don't know that the the experience of this place is there's like a salad bar. Which I guess some people eat at will like <laughs> scoffed at the fact that it even existed. I, I would think fifty dollars for a salad. That's ridiculous. <laughs> and then they bring you skewers and skewers and skewers of meat of all this of marinated steaks and pork with 
pineapple and sausage and chicken and more beef and more beef. Just like over and over and over again until you explode. You have a, like a little kind of button you turn red and green that yeah. lets the waiters know to keep feeding you. Oh, yeah. Whenever it's green, you're just like it's nonstop. Like every 45 seconds, a new guy <laughs> fell really on, on your plate. You could tell because it's like well-off couple, well-off couple, group of nerds, nerds, nerds. Right. It's kind of the the – the archetypical like during a magic tournament place is like to celebrate being with friends and playing cards. People go to Fogo to Chow. Yeah, yeah, I've never really heard about it. I've heard other people go. Evidently, there's one in Baltimore City we go to pretty often. But yeah, I, I've never been. And sure enough, a lot of nerds. Lot of people. <laughs> <laughs> as, as promised, I I still have never been. The only time we were going was during my open top eight when I said that I really needed to just go to bed and not have the meat sweats all day. The next day so unfortunately i have not had that experience yet yeah you you have to give it a try with us <laughs> so so recommend thumbs up yeah i've i've been there multiple times it's oh, great yeah. all right I, I will definitely will and i had a former trip in which we did the three buffets in three days idea which um has its pros and major cons <laughs> i don't see any cons Problem. That was the barbecue on the way up, the Korean state, the Korean barbecue on the Saturday night, and the sushi buffet going <laughs> home. Uh, was not a calorie negative trip. So that was our that was our evening after we like kind of barely squeezed out around nine and uh, had some fun that that night. Got some amount of sleep, and uh, we come back in um, the convention center the next day around ten. There's 25 teams that are left in the tournament at this point. We were 25th out of 25 teams. Um, oh, perfect. That's what, you, that's what you're looking for. We were like, okay, you know, let's, let's do it. And we sit down. Oh, we yeah. know there's a – since there's 25 teams, we know there's a bye. And uh, <laughs> we were hoping it's, it was us, but it was not. So we get paired for round 10. And I'm looking – the table is right next to the feature match area. And I look over and I see uh, Lotus Box watching – watching the feature match and i instantly realized that dylan zan and noah got the bye <laughs> and, and i yell out <laughs> dylan and he looks and then i yell his last name and he's like laughing so hard at me and i'm grinning ear to ear like i'm i'm super happy my friends get a bye but i wanted it to be me i was like what in the world <laughs> Of all the teams that need a buy. I mean, seriously, but can you imagine being 25 teams left in a big tournament in a round 10 and get a buy? I mean, that's just perfect. Uh, but we pulled it out and the next one. And so round 12, we were on camera for a feature match, wasn't it? Yeah, we played against Craig Kremples' team. I played against McCarley on Tron and you played against Craig Kremples. Yeah. And I think, yeah, I think Will was getting... <laughs> the, the wrong end of it from miracles. Getting crushed by miracles. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I got like surgical really quickly, but then I just played it out, copied as Kanta, used it a few times. <laughs> to, to no avail. <laughs> Not quite as good in your deck as in miracles, huh? <laughs> No. <laughs> Maybe extra draw is good with no dark gems in your deck. <laughs> yeah, I think it's a dark gems problem. Like I I've on, on Modo I've definitely like as Kanta multiple times and then won because I got a bunch of disruption spells. Uh, much harder with no dark depth. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's that's quite awkward. What I mean, is there a route? It's just vampire hex mage twoing somebody. Uh, there's hex mage and spirit guide. I think I've pulled off that kill one time. So it's like a made up kill <laughs> that doesn't actually exist. Yeah. Yeah, it's like it's like playing storm. You really only have the 
one way to kill them, and that's with a storm spell, and you're not going to kill them with your creatures. Mm-hmm. So g- going into this round, I had a I was zero and four on camera lifetime. <laughs> uh, maybe one on four if you count a team a team match in which I won, but my match was never featured. <laughs> so so my, so my yeah my playing at Jace has never been the best, and I play against Tron, which I'm pretty sure is a pretty pretty horrible matchup. And he went to die roll and goes turn like uh, map into turn three Karn. But my draw was just great. So he goes turn three Karn, get an amalgam. And I go, kill your amalgam to you, put a bunch more guys on board. And he basically has to slam Ugon on four or he dies. And, it, and he doesn't and he dies. And then the next game he rolls to five. It's good for me. And <laughs> eventually put the worm coil to stabilize the turn before he's going to die. Then I dredge an ancient grudge to kill it in combat after a block so it doesn't gain any life and he dies to the other creatures. Um, uh, so that was pretty fortunate. So yeah, to run that hot on the feature match, that was our, we had to win two to, to make it in. So that was the second to last one. And then I go to see Jeremy's match, who is the one that's been featured the whole time against Craig Krempels. And you could tell a little bit more about that one. Yeah, that was, his deck is really cool. And it, it's, I, I learned later, it's got like a billion one drops in it, which, I mean, I figured that out during the match too, but there's there's a lot. So it's trying to do things very quickly. And uh, he won the dice roll. And I think he just kind of kept a, a, a hand that was suspect and didn't unlock for him until a couple of draw steps. So I was able to take, whatever, four or six damage and then get on the board. And the, th- the thing about, you know, my deck or any rock type deck, right? This isn't even just standard. It's like, you know, you you have these creatures that are individually more powerful than your opponent's aggro deck. So it, I felt like I was in a good spot in game one, as long as I wasn't going to get like on crop crashered infinite times in a row or Hazaret. And it turns out that while I turned the corner kind of when he was unlocking, so he, he had to start playing defense after his mana and stuff got online. And uh, he eventually did play a Hazaret, but it was at the point where I was far enough ahead to where I could kind of chump attack and alpha into it twice and the backswing wasn't going to get me there. Game two, he's on the play again and just totally curves out and totally whacks me. And I'm like, this is this is going poorly. Game three was... <laughs> was very very close um i don't remember specifically kind of the texture of it the uh fabric as a whole but i i do know that we traded cards for a while and he got to a point where he landed hazard when i was not ahead i started determining am i blocking out of this to draw towards an answer which at this point after sideboard i have hostage taker and vraska's contempt or am i trying to race it it was like a mix of both where I was chump blocking and swinging back with a creature that wasn't going to block. Uh, about the time Lucas's match ends, uh, he looks over and kind of he can start evaluating what's going on in my match. And it was very tight. He comes over. I think we look at a couple attacks and there wasn't one in the turn that he started watching the game. And I pass. Craig uh, attacks me. I, I block with whatever was the best block. And... I go to my draw step and I rip, uh, just peel a Verderous Gear Hulk off the top. And so I'm able to like cast that, put two counters on it. So it's a 6-6. Six, six, so it's profitably blocking the Hazaret and putting counters on a Jade Light Ranger that can now attack into some first strike creatures. And Craig wasn't able to like squad block with his first strike and then eat my guy. He, had, he was in chump block or take damage. So it really sw- swung the race. And uh, two turns later, I won. But... The, the match ended at 
where he, he conceded at one life. He knew he knew he was dead. And I was at three with a card in his hand. So he could have activated Hazard and pitched whatever he drew and put me to one. So effectively, it was like one life to one life, super, super close match. So that one was really fun. I, I can't wait for it to get um, put up on YouTube or wherever and, and take a look at it. Yeah, his deck was really sweet. So so he was playing like a, a Jess guy aggro, like kind of red, white, Path of Metal splashing blue for some like counter spells and stuff. So his deck was definitely fun to watch. Yeah, Path of Metal is a yeah. is a heck of a card. That is probably the real deal going forward. I, yeah, I like it a lot. I I don't know about the the blue splash. I mean, I'm not against it or for it. I just the idea of Path of Metal and so many uh, one drops and curving into on crop crasher and like standard basically has two end games and it's scarab god and hazard it so as long as you're doing one of those and building a deck that's a reasonable into that plan then it's going to do well yeah i've seen various feedback about in articles and podcasts and stuff in the last couple of days jeremy about your deck where some i think todd stevens said yes you definitely have to have blue in these winding constrictor decks and like another article is like i don't like his blue at all you definitely need to be two colors but i sort of believe you that it's that it's it's all about the gods yeah, yeah, it it is. I mean, I don't know. I mean, the only thing just green black has going for it is a, a tad bit better mana base. Their sideboards are much worse, and then they don't have the the god plans. And personally, I think Scarab God is the better of the two if you can build your deck in a way to go long. But if you're going to get taken advantage of early in the game, then Hazard's much better. But if you just think about, I mean, if you think about a game, the number of times I've lost against Scarab God are way higher than the number of times I've lost to Hazard. That's just you know my personal experience. Uh, they're all they're all very good. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're very good. I, I feel like I've lost to both of them many many times at this point. Yeah. So after that, we just had one round to go. Uh, yeah, round fourteen, we got paired. Every table around us was a feature match except us. Round thirteen. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So we're on table one playing a winning in for top eight, like the first winning in for top eight in the tournament. I, I guess Team BCW had a win in also, but they're on on camera somewhere or on the feature material somewhere. So it felt like a ghost. It felt like five tables around, or at least the three tables around us were all empty, and we're playing the most the most important match of the tournament so far. And I had some great matchups. Uh, I had I had matchups against Murfolk, which felt pretty good. And then I forgot who else. I think Jeremy won his, and Will didn't finish. Uh, no, I think I got that. Yeah, no, we I didn't finish. We all had great matchups there. That was the only time I got to play. Well, the second time I got to play a control deck, my sideboard was excellent for um, approach and like various blue, black and blue, white control decks. And uh, I, I, I unfortunately did not get to finish <laughs> my match, but um, it's 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 a good consolation prize when your opponent, when your teammates look at you and say, we're done, we won. So <laughs> yeah. I almost never finished my matches. Either I just get smashed or the game yeah. lasts forever. I think it was infinite times we got to tell Will, like, okay, we, we won. <laughs> yeah. I thought it was surprising. It was like a combo deck. I just never finished the game. <laughs> yeah, I think I finished all 16 we played, but it, yeah, that definitely wasn't the truth for everyone. I had a sweet play, though, against Merfolk where I'm up a game and beating him down, um, and he's got three lords in play, and they're all four fours. He makes a block in which he's going to take some damage and go from 14 to 9, but he echoing truths my four prized amalgams, so they all come back to hand. I have three cards in hand, so I go up to seven cards in hand. He takes five, go to nine, and then I go life of the loam, go up to nine cards. Then I'm going to go four, three, two, and kill his three guys, but as I tap mana for Conflagrate, that is like a 
is there a carpulsive force or a mana carpulsive? So I take a point and I go to look at the life totals. I realize that he's at nine. <laughs> and I just go, oh. Boy, if you had been Ooh. playing the fetch land mana base, you might have looked really stupid for a minute there. Well, yeah. Well, yeah, I, I've never seen like yeah, my opponent's echoing truth give me enough cards in the hand to kill him before, but that was <laughs> is, uh, is Conflagrate just the best card in that deck. I feel like every time I lose to Dredge, it's because they got a huge conflagrate off. By an enormous amount. It is it is insane. Like you turn you just turn one conflagrate for zero, like a pretty big percent of the time. I mean obviously you'd prefer the other right That is a messed up magic card. <laughs> it's very powerful. This against affinity and merfolk and elves and humans. It's just it's it's everything. You just like have main deck just just like two mana plague wins all the time. Uh, that's, <laughs> that's good. good. It is pretty good. <laughs> I don't mind that. I guess since we're on the topic of the deck, uh, what has made you pick Dredge? I know you were on Affinity for a long time, but the past open that you top aided uh, Invitational Weekend, you were playing Dredge and you're back playing Dredge again. So what has made you join the, the graveyard side of things rather than robots? Uh, a couple of things. So in modern, I have a rule that you should only ever be playing decks that kill your opponents. I just don't believe in Jeskai or Jund or Abzan. I just think those they just can lose with too many people that are trying to kill you. So I just so I just don't like it at all. I really like Affinity. I, I played Affinity since Block constructed way back in the day. Even though the cards don't have Affinity on them anymore, just like the sort of the plan and the Archbound Ravager sort of like combo finish or bounce around from removal plan. I always really enjoy. But there's too much Jeskai. Jeskai decks have, like, the, the numbers vary, but, like, could easily be four bolts, four paths, four snaps, and then some number of helixes that electrolyze, and just that's way too much very efficient interaction, which Affinity just, like, is a deck that wins because its cards are more efficient than you, but if, they're, if they take yeah. that away from you, that is very bad. And electrolyze is just always a three-for-one, which is also very bad. And so Jeskai just, it's just so popular. And it feels like I just play it like two or three times every tournament. It just, and Affinity is a deck that gets punished so hard post-board that you can't really afford to have that many bad matchups game one. And Jeskai is just how how much it is there. I don't even think it's that good. But uh, but because it's so it's so prevalent, it's not something I can afford to, to have like a, a 20% matchup against or something. Um, Judge, I think, punishes Jeskai and is a very sort of, pressure-heavy deck for your opponents to force them to deal with something. I think it has one set of bad matchups, and that's the the big mana decks. I don't think it's good against Scapeshifter Tron or Aljazi Tron, but uh, a lot of other things I think it is very good against. All the creature decks, just Conflagrate is so good. Uh, Death Shadow I think it's very good against. And I think it does a lot better against the hate cards. The problem being the hate cards against Affinity almost always affect your mana too, so you can't ever deal with them. Or Shadowstorm or things like that just destroy every permanent you control, which isn't good. But against Dredge, you have like eight draw effects in your deck to find to find what you need to find. So like the, my board only has two abrupt decays in it, but with like three cathartic reunion and four faithless looting, it feels like you can just sort of churn through your deck and and find what you need to find to, to deal when when you need to deal with it. And they usually only either affect the board or your graveyard, not both at the same time. So if they like like in the finals, the guy uh, Caleb landed recipes against me. My board already had seven creatures on it. Um, they were <laughs> they were a motley crew, but but that was enough to get through. As he didn't, he would also need something like a sweeper, of which he had one, like settled the wreckage in his board. But uh, but sort of the the way the hate cards work and the way and Dredge is a little bit better against hate. The hate's still very good. I don't think I've ever been in a ley line, <laughs> but uh, 
but I, but I have one of those. I saw a couple cages, a couple rest in peace, a spell bomb, a couple relics over the course of the weekend. But uh, but most of it, I was able to defeat. I think the cage got me one match, and a spell bomb scavenging his combo got me the other match. Yikes! But but other than that, yeah, I think that's really good. I just I just like where I would I put down affinity with too much risk. I would put it down like the weekend after that that uh, one Midwest Grand Prix that was destroyed by Big Nana. Gotcha. Yeah, um, Leyline of the Void is beatable, though, as I found out tonight as I got my Leyline's turn one. Nature's claimed several times in a row. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> that sounds like vintage dredge post-board. It felt like it. It was real bad. Nature's claim. Have you ever registered that one, Lucas? Uh, yeah, I have in the past. Uh, I, had a, yeah. I, I had a destructive rubbery in this tournament. Uh, but Nature's Claim at one point was kind of the standard. I've been pretty happy with the Abrupt Decays. Sure. Because Leyland isn't really that prevalent. Like, I know it's played out of that Mardu Pyromancer deck, that 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 one guy racks up yes. the trophy lead every time with, but no one plays in real life. Sure. That's the best, like, mystery of magic. And that's the biggest disaster deck I've seen in a while. It's got, like, the random Blood Moon, usually, and it's, like, no basic deck or something. <laughs> I just like that we yeah, register that two Monastery Swift Spears. So something funny, though, like that deck is actually, I'm going to draw a similarity with Caleb's deck in the finals of like Modern is a deck in which you could just play cards that are good in Modern and if you practice enough with them, then you can have a reasonable win rate with them. And like like Caleb said, he chose his deck because it had the best deck, best win rate of all the decks he chose. But no one on the planet can win with Bant Spirits, nor <laughs> does anybody really think it's a great deck. Right. Same with this Pyromancer deck. Is this, is this one guy just annihilates with it online? I mean, maybe he's playing 45 leagues a day, but I don't think that's. I don't think it's possible to play as many leagues as it would as he would have to play that when he still puts up his five O's that he does. Right. If you've got like a, a 40% win rate, it's so hard to five O even like once out of every like five or six leagues. So right. he's got to have a good win rate. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. 50, 50, 50 every 32 times. Right? Yeah. So yeah, that, that is one of the really cool things about the format. Like you could just, if you really just want to specialize, you can do it with some insane thing. Like yeah, I, like if you want to play Salt by Cards I Own or Grix's Cards I Own, uh, like, yeah, and, and you're great, you can just do it if, if you want to. Yeah, apparently Jark Skull Captain is a, an excellent modern card in the right hands. <laughs> yeah, says, says somebody. Uh, yeah, and speaking of Salt by Cards I Own, I kind of felt like Jeremy's standard deck was that. I felt that the standard, I mean, he's going to talk about it in a little bit, but uh, the standard metagame wasn't really that defined at all. And he just was like, "Okay, I like like the constrictors. I want to play. I want to play Spell Pierce. I want to play Sparrow, Scarab God. Here we go." Yeah. So so yeah. Let's talk about that. How did you just play all the good Celtic cards? I guess what what was the impetus behind this this list? Yeah. Uh, gosh, it's it's kind of hard to really articulate um, how I landed on it. But first of all, I, I'm comfortable with these type of decks, these kind of mid-range, like in, in standard, I, I like to play mid-range mirrors. Um, I win them often. I think I always have a good sideboard for them. This time, I don't think I had a great mid-range sideboard because I was already, you know, pre-boarded uh, a little bit bigger than them. But how I landed on this was I thought, okay, I'll, I'll start with this green-black deck. The Explore mechanic looked pretty cool. Jade Light Ranger seemed very powerful. 
um, it seemed like a good bridge of, all right, let me hit some more lands or I can just go like snake into Jade Light and have this like busted huge creature early. And so I was kind of looking into that idea early in the format and decided pretty much instantly that I wanted blue because I thought that negate and hostage taker um, as well as the scarab god were going to be real important. And I think they, they started all in my sideboard. Like the Scarab God, I added not super late in testing, but midway through where I, you know, I would always say like, okay, this is my five drop. If I draw Gear Hulk, is that as good as if I drew Scarab God? And it ended up being that half the time it would have been better to draw Scarab God and half the time, you know, the Gear Hulk was better. Like I have Walking Ballista in my deck. I have Snake Lake. Gear Hulk has Trample. It, it is very powerful and individually, but in my deck, it has a lot of synergy. So when I started, you know, while I'm playing leagues and stuff, seeing like, okay, what was the five drop I actually wanted to draw here? Um, it, it really was like 50-50. So I just did that. I, I cut two Gear Hulks. I added two Scarab Gods. And we went down with, the, you know, that was my five drops. So... And that, that's how I landed on that. The spell pierces were there from the beginning, and uh, I knew that they were wonky. I know that they're kind of odd, and I think going forward, I'll, I'll still keep them, but they they can have a really high ceiling or really low floor in matchups where people are trading harness lightnings and lightning strikes and casting one drops and stuff. It's it's a kind of a poor card unless you do get to trade with a removal spell early because you can grab some of the tempo your opponent's trying to swing towards them. But really where it was shining for me in leagues was I was just like catching people sleeping on Settle the Wreckage and Approach and just just their big like glimmer or whatever so it it, it was fantastic there and i uh, kind of thought that i was going to keep the main deck because what i cut from them when you look at the like kind of the archetypical list that you start building your deck from they were blossoming defense so blossoming defense is kind of trading with a removal spell <clears throat> as well right so the spell pierces are doing a lot of the same things but kind of miserable to draw late in the game because uh, it's such a soft counter. But, you know, the Blossoming Defense, outside of, like, getting to steal a game by giant growthing your creature, you know, after after blocks to, you know, hit two more damage, which, that you know, that exists, but it, I think it would have only came up one time, all tournament. So, yeah, I don't know. We just kind of started putting things together and, and swapping things out and going through testing. I actually played um, quite a bit of Moto last week, went through a lot of a lot of leagues, and at some point I thought Grixis was better. It's kind of the same deck, but uh, I think the card quality in Sultai is higher uh, like as a whole, but the card quality of, of Grixis's top end is, is larger, and then their removal is better so it's just a personal choice and it was a well, like what i was comfortable with and you know people say that about modern it's just just true of all formats like if you're more comfortable with something you're you know kind of how to sideboard and stuff it's it's always going to be better to go that direction so i i stuck on Soltai. i swapped really briefly over to mardu and it just wasn't working for me i played one league with it and instantly jumped off of it i went one win four losses each round, I won the die, the dice roll. So I was thinking, okay, you know, that's exactly what the deck wants to do is win the dice roll. And I did it all five times, and I just 
you know, some of the matches were close, but, you know, a couple of them, I just felt like I was smashed. I don't think Mardu has a good matchup against, like, the aggressive decks. So, and then I think that for, say, instance against, like, my Soul Tide deck, since I know how they're trying to sideboard, I realize that they're sideboarding heavy and going up on their curve and getting more powerful and trying to kind of match card quality back to mine. And since they they inevitably, that slows them down, and that actually makes my deck more favored. Uh, so I think in the end, they just don't even sideboard against me, although I'm, I'm not certain. That's just my evaluation of that matchup. I, I played Mardu three or four times in the tournament, and I won 2-0 against all of them, except for in round nine, I, I won 2-1. So I like that matchup. Sultai Constrictor is... is is great. It's standard though. I don't know what the best format or best best uh, deck is going forward. The the thing about Soul Tide, the mana base is a little iffy. So I, I'd like to try to work on that more. Although I really I studied it quite a bit last week trying to tune it. And uh, the 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 list that's registered on SCG's site is is the best mana base I could come up with. Yeah, definitely a lot harder now without a tune. The, instead of just free, you can play three colors. It, it takes a lot of work, which I think is good. I think that's good for the format, but it's it's a lot tougher to to figure out what you need to be at. Yeah, I think um, Death Gorge Scavenger deserves um, a spot main deck possibly. And I'll look at it when I decide to play standard again. But Death Gorge Scavenger has a lot of relevance right now, countering um, scrap heap and eating stuff that would be gear uh, torrential gear hulk targets or god pharaoh's gift targets or eternalized creatures out of the red decks and stuff um, and then in those matchups as well it also is gaining you life it, it's a pretty strong creature and even like red green monsters now is dumping Earthshaker and uh the green kenra in their graveyard yeah yeah uh, there's just a lot of graveyard shenanigans right now that resilient kenra um i think is still getting slept on i believe in that card the green green red monsters instantly got dismissed for me because there's not a great way to answer hazard it has struggled to survive to the front half of that can blow up a scarab god and then survive can shuffle it back into their library but it doesn't have a great answer to hazard it and in the end you really do need to pick a deck that is going to be able to have counterplay to those cards right right i mean the the only option is really like blocking with phoenix or racing it with your flyers which can be a tough spot to be in depending on the matchup right right true um but those are those aren't like the actual answer right like that's just counterplay like you said right 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 there's no like i'm not worried about a hazard like you're always worried about the hazard because you gotta maneuver the game after it comes out I think Jeremy's scavengers ate two phoenixes of, of Brendan DeCandio's in the finals. That's uh, in the final game. Every time I looked over, it was happening. I'm like, wow, this is great. <laughs> that match was great. I wish uh, could, that could have been recorded. I could have went back and watched it. But so I think we left out on the. So like, have we went through all of our decks, CCR? We have not gone, gone through, through Williams. Let's, deck yet. Since we're kind of going in that direction, let's go to him and then go back to the uh, p- the playoff bracket. So you played Turbo Depths. So uh, I know we see lands uh, basically winning every single one of these team tournaments, but there were none in the top eight. And instead, the Dark eight, the dark Depths deck of choice, for you at least, was Turbo Depths. So yeah, why don't you talk about that that decision? Yeah, so uh, definitely like Turbo Depths isn't actually a new deck. The deck list hasn't actually changed since Miracles was basically nerfed by sure. the top. So 
So there's no interesting card choices really in my deck. Uh, I mean, there are a few texts that I saw online and decided to just try out this time. So there's the Dryad Arbor, which I thought would be good against the Edicts coming from uh, the Grixis Delver decks and Bug Delver decks, which I expected to have to go through if I ever made a deep run, and it happened, and we did. However, it just turned out that the situation never came up. The only thing Dryad Arbor did all day was block young pyromancer <laughs> i think he was on camera and then they shifted away right after that happened and you're two minutes on camera yeah i, I um, did get to see that though it was it was great it looked wonderful <laughs> that was yeah. awesome Whoa. so like i the deck choice is like i do it because uh i think it has a good matchup against the fair blue decks usually uh the delver decks i feel fairly confident against they basically play two main deck answers or two answers in the 75 to merit lage so if you can just force out a merit lage you're basically 95 percent to win the game and it's not really that difficult because their only other interaction is wasteland and if you have pithing needle just name wasteland even in the blind you're probably going to get through a, a dark depths on them and you have the other decks that have no clock and and uh, minimal interaction like the four color delver deck or not Delver, four color control decks and those are even easier than delver because you have so much time to set up you just stare at each other and turbo depths is definitely favored in that game uh then you have the decks that just have no interaction with you it's like elves burn the eldrazi decks have minimal interaction with only wasteland those are basically buys you just mulligan to like it doesn't matter what you mulligan to as long as you have merit lage by turn three or so and they'll just immediately die <laughs> uh, so then you have the miracle uh, the white decks with swords to plowshares and those are definitely a bit more difficult uh, because usually those decks either have caracas and flicker wisp as well uh, or they also have snapcaster mages and other blue spells uh, so those are the decks you do not want to see so that's why Turbo Depths wasn't actually very good back when Miracles at top. Is back then they could also instant speed Terminus super easily. Well, do you feel like you need to mulligan aggressively to play Turbo Depths well? I know you were mulliganing every single time I looked over at your match. You were like, I'm going to five, I'm going to four, I'm going to five. Uh, basically, you're aiming for a Merit Lage by turn four at the latest. You want to either have Merit Lage on turn four with multiple pieces of disruption, uh, turn three Merit Lage, hopefully with a piece of disruption, but if not, then it's still passable to keep your hand of just Urborg, Thespian Stage, and Dark Depths if you have some backup in case something goes wrong. Uh, obviously, if you have turn two Merit Lage, you just go for it. I mean, the dream is to have Urborg Thoughtseize and then turn two Dark Depths into Hex Mage, which I did one time against Grixis Delver, and that ended the game quickly. Uh, then the actual dream is just turn one, right, with two Lotus Petals and the Dark Depths and the Hex Mage. Uh, that's really rare and didn't happen at all. <laughs> but this deck can definitely still play the long game, though. Um, you do have so a bunch of redundancy, so uh, especially post board, you turn into more of a control deck. Uh, most of the fast mana comes out, so Lotus Petals always, almost always come out post board uh, against any deck actually, except for the no interaction decks where you're just racing them. 
Uh, and then post board, you get the decays, which come in. I think basically they are swapped out for lotus petals all the time. And depending on what deck you're against, you've got uh, Sylvan libraries and Rite of Consumption, Surgicals. And now, right, Rite of Consumption is the one that makes it so you don't have to attack to kill them, right? Yes. Uh, so Rite of Consumption is a sorcery speed black fling that only goes to the dome piece, basically. <laughs> <laughs> so worse than fling in basically every way, but you can cast it. So yeah. And what's and the point of it is that you don't have to pass priority. Right, basically. So against those Death and Taxes decks or Miracles decks where they have like four or five pieces of interaction, if you ever give them priority, you just have to make Merit Lage on your main phase and then fling it at them and they die. So like there was this one match where I played against Maverick and my opponent had Swords to Plowshares, Swords to Plowshares, Maze of Ith, and Caracas on the board. And <laughs> if I didn't have right of consumption. <laughs> Of note is that it also goes through ensnaring bridges, so that's also relevant. The choice of it over lands itself is, uh, it's just, I don't feel like wasting a, like 50 minutes of brain power every match <laughs> to play lands. <laughs> it's hard to see whether it's uh, more well-positioned or not, because lands theoretically does have a good fair matchup. Uh, I think the Turbo Dev deck definitely has a better combo matchup because you're just faster and you've got all of these Thoughtseize duress effects. But you do give up some of that, some resiliency just because you have one plan and if you get surgical, it's all over. <laughs> Turbo Depths is actually still pretty hard to play, but most of the decisions uh, for the first couple games end on uh, turn through or three when you kill them or they kill you. <laughs> uh, but definitely the first turn takes forever. Like in the finals for game three, I was, I was just best definitely tanking just to whether I keep my hand or not at first. And then it's like, even if I do keep, what do I play? I have like, I have a Bayou and then I have like two or three turn one, different turn one plays. And like, and sometimes that's not even it. Uh, sometimes you have to think about like what land you play. Like there's like having Urborg or Bayou Playing which spell really matters because it, it delaying your combo for even a turn is huge in Legacy. Like you just so you really need a good uh, grasp of the format as well, especially when you're playing Thoughtseize effects. So you need to know what you're taking. And yeah, I think that's about it. All I've got for the deck. Yeah, I mean that's one of the really cool things about Turbo Depths is that you get to run the eight duress effects. Which you don't get to run in a lot of decks in Legacy. Yeah, I even have the ninth one because I really like those effects, and I don't think the third Safekeeper is worth it over the uh, the discard spell because mm -hmm. there just aren't. I'm not. I am worried about the white decks, but it's not prevalent enough for me to care. Maybe fifteen percent of the format total is in white decks, and that might just be MTGO. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and you had a, a fancy Steely Resolve play too, didn't you? Yeah, so uh, there was a game against Mud of all decks. Uh, <laughs> I brought it in because I know they have uh, Staff of Domination. So, and like the matchup feels really good to me already, so I just do the usual cut Lotus Petals, cut some other worthless cards, and put in Decays and, and add extra slots. So I put in Steely Resolve just in case I needed to uh, stop the Staff. However, it turns out I just wanted to buy an extra turn because like he, I thought seized him a bit earlier, saw that he had Forge Master, and he had tried to Blightsteal me a, a game before that. So 
uh, to buy a turn, I steal resolve the golem instead of avatar, which is what Merit Lage is, so that he couldn't equip lightning greaves to his uh, uh, lightsteel colossus to buy me a turn. <laughs> well, was that? That's awesome, by the way. Was that when you called for the to read lightsteel? Yes, that was it. Like so. <laughs> Because I, for, I I was pretty sure it was Golem, but <laughs> that is not something I was confident. <laughs> yeah, you got to be certain there, right? Makes yeah, sense. what a what a tragic loss that would be if you named Golem and it was just like an artifact creature giant. That would be so miserable. <laughs> oh, there was also that match where Jeremy told me I was against check file, which turned out to be Dredge. <laughs> <laughs> Why tell me about this? <laughs> so uh, yeah. they were they were like totally shuffling their deck, and I saw this multicolored card, and I was like. I don't know, like, if I saw Pernicious Deed, but I was like, I guess it's like Baleful Strix or Leovold or whatever. So I I kind of, from that flash, thought Will's opponent was playing Checkpile. So I passed that on. <laughs> and it, uh, it was just, I don't even know what card it was in the end. I have no clue. But a similar thing happened to where... Um, Lucas told me my opponent was Grixis. And then the, yeah, was I, that from you? I saw like energy. Yeah. yeah. And then my, my opponent starts the game with uh, Blooming Marsh. <laughs> Whatever, dude. But it's all good, right? It's it's the intent is there. Um, and most of the time when you get those reads, it's right. Yeah, that, that was also sort of an interesting match. So, so like, with the check pile read, uh, I kept like double discard spells, a, a crop rotation, and like a fairly slow hand because check pile doesn't do anything. It <laughs> <laughs> ends up like breakthroughing and, uh, and gets a bunch of stuff in the yard. But luckily, my one crop rotation gets him there, and he sits there for a million turns and does nothing after oh, that. Oh, you bog him. Yeah. It also happened game two. I took, like, a mulligan to, uh, I think it was to five, where I it was another, like, miserable hand, but I wasn't going to go to four. It, it was Dark Depth, Spirit Guide, crop rotation, and some other cards that I can't cast yet. <laughs> and, like, he actually had this really explosive hand. I think it was, like, LED land breakthrough and like there's a yeah. looting involved yeah so luckily he like didn't flip any narco mevas so nothing awful happened except him flipping three bridges <laughs> uh but i bogged him and then he did nothing for the rest of the game and eventually Jeez. died well when you get three of their bridges goo. that's gross <laughs> yeah good, that is really gross crop rotation <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we were just sitting on the board on the game, like he had one land, and I had no permanence for a while because I had to rotate my only land. <laughs> well, I had right. the bog, but <laughs> right, that doesn't uh, do a lot for you. <laughs> so I, I was just gonna ask with the the choice of the Sultai deck. So in general, in in my experience, those decks have been a little bit soft to Glorybringers and Chandras. Um, did it feel like that to you? Were you not that scared of Glorybringers this tournament? Or do you just think that it, it's really not that bad? Uh, no, actually, you're quite right. The Chandras, were, they're a little easier to deal with, but it depends on what deck the Chandra was out of, right? Like if it's if they're going... Sure. Um, one drop, two drop, three drop. Chandra, like, it just doesn't really matter what deck I was playing. Chandra's just going to be excellent there. So, you know, that's that's just if they're if the nut draw is there, it's there. But Chandra in general is um, a little easier for me to set up because I have multiple creatures, and if they're Chandraing one, maybe I have a second one, or uh, maybe 
I have a walking ballista and they blew up one and I can just like, my turn four is ballista for two and shoot their Chandra from one to zero. I have spell pierce that can just, you know, that's huge if I trade spell pierce for their fourth turn or whatever. Um, but the glory bringer, you're, t- you're totally right. Glory bringer is very good against me and you just kind of have to play in a way to respect the card. I sandbag ravenous chupacabra for infinite, like, just uh, the hostage takers are coming in against uh, a deck that has glory bringer and those are kind of getting sandbagged infinitely too you definitely have to um make sure you don't just get glory bringer out of the game and and my soul tie deck is not built in a way to take advantage of that situation often but it's enough to where i i think that you can't you're not just totally scared but i'd agree that is a number one offender against me Actually, the uh, Phoenix is very good against me too. Uh, Fire Chicken, <laughs> Fire Chicken. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, that card's good. Yeah, those flyers are really, really powerful, and I'm I'm looking forward to exploring that sort of Merfolk Branchwalker, Jade Light Ranger, Kenra monsters deck. Yeah, I think that's a great deck. I think the Resilient Kenra, like I said, is a is a fantastic card. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Jadine uh, Klumperens had an excellent article like yesterday or today talking about sort of using explore guys in standard um, and the the types of mid-range decks that are out there. And it kind of broke down to whether or not you're relying on multi-spelling on turns like four and five or just casting like big things like glory bringers and stuff. And it seems like your deck sort of started leaning towards the, the big thing stuff because you had a couple of gear hulks and a couple of scarab gods, which, which is kind of, you know, the, the thesis of the article was basically like, because of the way the explore mechanic works, uh, it doesn't actually draw you spells, but it makes you very good at hitting land drops and then like getting to the big spells when you need them. Um, and so things like Branch Walker go really well with five drops rather than trying to double spell at some point. So that's and that combined with the the graveyard active guys makes me really excited to try out this green red deck yeah i think um explorer is a a really well designed mechanic and i think that it'll continue to kind of get better not i mean just people will start looking into it further we're we're just a few weeks into the format but dumping scrap heap scrounger and dumping eternalized cards or like having a chump blocker and then dumping a just a Angel of Invention in some God of Pharaoh's gift deck, although green is is kind of garbage in those. I'm just saying examples of where you're like the dumping the card isn't just making a three two. It's like you know giving you more play later, kind of what you're saying. So yeah, it's a it's a cool mechanic. And it, flipping a land is, I mean, we're drawing a card, so it's it's interesting. I don't I didn't like the branch walkers in my list. Um, I just preferred the servant of the conduit. Because in that that allows me to go turn three, two drop, two drop. Um, it allows me to go, you know, just snake into ballista, which is huge, or play a uh, glint sleeve siphoner, and, and I don't know. So the servant made more sense to me. How are the siphoners now? You know, without the free sources of energy, you're really relying on them, maybe plus a snake to to create their own energy most of the time. How did that feel? Yeah, I I can't tell what the best creature in my deck is. It's it may be Winding Constrictor, but I'm leaning towards Glint Sleeve Siphoner. That card's very good. It, it's going to eat a removal spell, or it's going to get in like four damage and draw two cards, which 
I mean, the power level yeah. of that sort of thing in standard, right? That's that's huge. So Glint Sleeve Siphoner on MTG Goldfish is the number one played creature in standard. And that says that kind of speaks for itself. Yeah. So still good, even without a tune and rogue refiner, which speaks to. Right. Yeah. Circling back to your question. True, true. Um, so the best possible start for my deck is like a uh, blooming marsh and then turn to aether hub and then the siphoner. Cause then I'm on to energy, but <clears throat> that's another right. reason why the servant of the conduit is uh, more reasonable in my deck. Uh, there's not a ton of ways to create energy, but the winding constrictors allow those those energy generators to become more valuable. So, but it's it's really weird because oftentimes your glint sleeve siphoner is just getting like instantly <laughs> in the graveyard. People are going to respect that. They you just have to. It's early in the game. The more cards you have, the better decisions you have. So, I actually um, like. The walking ballistas in my deck just for that, it's like another like turn to answer to Glint Sleeve. Gotcha. Yeah, and, and you're also playing Fatal Push rather than like harness lightnings, so that gives you a mana advantage when you're in that sort of matchup, and that's pretty nice. Yeah. I'm not sure what else we want to talk about. If there's anything that you guys want to mention about the tournament experience, about deck choices, card choices, anything you saw, you know, I don't want to cut you off. If there's anything that you're thinking of, Will, should we talk about the playoffs a little bit? Or, I mean, I've personally talked plenty about standard, so nothing interesting happened on my end, really. I either I either got smashed or smashed them. <laughs> I never had the time to watch any other matches, so all of the interesting stories are coming from yeah, your end. CCR, if you want, I can summarize the. Let's do that. Like I, I mean, I got to watch mostly uh, Lucas's matches, what they put on camera. But uh, n- not really any of the other matches because you know we only we only really got to see the finals on camera, so we missed most of that. Yeah. So the quarterfinals um, were off camera against Lotus Box, and we liked our matchups. Um, knew that we were not the strongest uh, players, like the, the team wise, um, but we felt good about our seats and our matchups. I was playing against Mardu Vehicles and. Their draw was a like infinite creatures, no removal spells, and no vehicles in game one. And so once I took kind of like an early rush of damage, uh, my two threes and etc. just climbed back into the game. At one point, I cast uh, a winding constrictor and then a walking ballista for two in the same turn. This was in the mid game, so my ballista comes in on three and just eats like toolcraft, toolcraft. Bowmat Courier, something similar to that, and the game kind of just swung out of control from there. Yeah, that was yeah. a that was a big swing. So that was kind of fortunate for me that I got to I didn't have to play against like um, unlicensed disintegration and Heart of Kieran at all in game one. Just a, a ton of creatures, which it, it, that can be problematic, you know, but it worked out for me. We go to sideboarding, and uh, I know that they're going to sideboard big. I know I'm playing against Fumigates and Planeswalkers, and they're slowing down a little bit, which, um, like I said, I sort of disagree with. But at the same time, like it is intelligent. Like Fumigate against me, if I'm not prepared for it or just have to play into it, will blow me out, and I'll, that's just like I'll instantly lose. Or another good reason that their sideboard plan is correct in that regard is that Walking Ballista, like two for one, you know, something in a Bowmat Courier is 
miserable for them. So getting those out of their deck is is likely correct too. So in the end, it's interesting. But in game two, I know they're going larger, and um, I know the things the the games are going to slow down. And I think Dylan flooded a little bit, and uh, you know, I I had a Gonti that was able to snag a Aether Sphere Harvester. There was one point where I think he went played Angrath, the five drop Minotaur Planeswalker. No, no, sorry, it wasn't Angrath. It was Halty Warrior Poet, the dinosaur token guy. And uh, if that would have, if he would have been able to untap with that and start gaining incremental value, um, those tokens being three threes, I think would have really turned it around for him. But fortunately, I was able to fiddle push a token and swing like two damage into the Pualti, putting it to one. And then I, second main phase, had a ballista for two and then like pinged it to death. And I think that that was a lot of the game plan. Uh, he also had a fumigate in his hand. Um, and that was a two for one or maybe a three for one. But I had cards left over that were able to jump back onto the board. And like I said, a little bit of flood on his side. So that just worked out. Um, that was my seat. Will see, Will, you were playing Miracles, right? No. Oh, sure, 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 sure. You were, you were playing against Noah, playing um, Grixis Delver. Yeah. I mean, those are fairly close games, but uh, I ended up just getting run over just with double wastelands and deathright shamans in the first game. And then second game, I think I just didn't have the discard spells to take care of all of his answers. And I ended up being forced to make merit Lage and hoping he didn't have the answers. And yeah. Uh, so it came down to the third seat, which um, Lucas's seat, I'll, I guess, speak for him because Lucas has dropped off. So that was Dredge Against Humans, and I think they trade games, and uh, they were probably great, but I was locked into mine. Uh, but game three, we mulligan to five. Humans keeps a six-card hand, I want to say. But it, it was like it was very slow, and uh, it had a Graph Digger's Cage, though, right? So, I mean, like it was a great keep. You're going to keep the, you know, your best sideboard card against Dredge. And um, we just we went to five, and it was like a decent hand. But then we see Cage, and it wasn't at all. And our very first draw step was Ancient Grudge. So again, you know, that's what it takes to win a tournament. You got you got to get lucky and play well. So that well, that was an example of us being lucky. So. We uh, kind of unlock the cage and then just go ham on our next dredge, put 10 power into the play, and it just kind of was over there. Yeah, that was quarterfinals. We go on to the semifinals. I, I, it seemed like Lucas won in like two seconds. He was just like, boom, whereas I was getting smashed against Grixis and was like, oh, man, I, I don't think I'm going to pull out a win here. I hope my teammate is able to carry me here. And uh, I'm in game two and Will and Lucas just look at me and they're like, okay, we won. Like that's, that's my perspective. It was like, it, that was incredible. I was just like, what? You're both done. You both won. Cause I'm locked into this matchup and it, I'm just getting whooped. That, I don't know. Will, did you win that fast? I mean, that was just the way it seemed to me. Yeah. Against miracles. Like he made a couple of misplays. Like he tapped out, he had counterbalance and then he, I guess he wanted to end the game fast and, tapped out for an entreat the angels so i was i'm looking at my hand and it's like well i've got a land search effect and if it's not a blind counterbalance on my land search i'll kill him with a sajiri step and he flipped like a land and top when i uh, i think it was a crop rotation so it was actually scary because they have a bunch of ones mm. in their deck so i've got sajiri step named white smashed him for 20 game one 
In game two, he took a mulligan to six. I guess it was really sketchy. Like, and he just played a strand past. I drew, played a needle, intending to name like Jace because that's really the only thing that really matters against me. But then he just doesn't fetch, and I figure I might as well LD him and name flooded strand. And then he it turns out he had no other lands and Whoops. died on the flooded Ooh. strand. <laughs> wow. Well. Worked out. Yeah. So that was one of my favorite rounds of the whole tournament, just because I felt like I was getting dogged. And then like that was like a good memory of uh, my teammates just saying, yeah, you're good, homie. Let's go on to the finals. And I was getting pumped. I like look at Lucas. I look at Will and I'm like, it's it's freaking trophy time, homies. Like we're about to go <laughs> do our thing. It's trophy time. And I must say it like three or four times. And I'm like getting my game face on. I'm like so psyched. It's time. And we make it to the finals. And Lucas is against Bant Spirits, Caleb Durwood, great player. And uh, he thinks it's a great deck. I don't know much about it. Seems not so much to me, but uh, we look, We you get to see everyone's deck list in, in the playoffs. So, and we look and there's Rest in Peace and Caleb's playing a couple of Path Exiles and some things that I guess are relevant and like Spell Quiller's quite obnoxious against Cathartic Reunion or a, a, a Conflagrate or something. So there was, there like, we don't really know how the matchup goes because who does know what their Bant Spirits matchup is. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> he... He, uh, I'll come back to him because he was kind of the deciding where we won. I, I was playing against Brendan Canio playing Grixis. They were on the play game one. I don't remember perfectly well. I think we were kind of trading cards for a little bit. And at one point he hits his, I'm hoping he doesn't hit his six land. I want to, um, see if he'll play around a spell Pyrrhus if he has, Raska's Contempt, or I also don't want him to have six land because then I have to play around Torrential Gear Hulk. So he hits his six land, and I'm like, oh, that sucks because I don't actually have a Spell Pyrrhus, and I don't have a way to deal with this Gear Hulk either. So the Contempt, like anything he has there is um, pretty good. I have a board of a Servant and maybe a Snake. It's a couple of creatures, but the point is, yeah, I think it was Jade Light Ranger, actually. I untap and I draw for my turn, and I and I peel a Essence Scatter, which there's one of in my deck. I'm like, this is actually a fantastic draw. I don't have to worry about Torrential Gear Hulk whatsoever, and I just go right to combat, and I swing. He, <laughs> he casts Torrential Gear Hulk, and uh, that that was huge, right? I get to scatter it, and he's like, yeah, you're one of, and I'm like, well, you've got one Gear Hulk too, buddy, so we're trading our one-ofs here. Anyway, so we're taking damage. I guess the one of the creatures I hadn't played was Rishkar, so... Um, I only swung with maybe two creatures, and I was able to, with Rishkar's ability, have Savannah along with the Essence Scatter Mana, and cast a Walking Blister for two. His next turn, he plays Scarab God, and my next turn, I draw a Verter's Gear Hulk. Well, he's at 12 or so, so I just put all the Gear Hulk counters on the Walking Blister for two to make it a 6-6, six, six, and he has to block, because if he doesn't, he takes six, and then I dome him for six off the counter so i just swing everything after that into the scarab god and he has to chump block with it and the game is kind of over right there we go to sideboard and the the entire time i think i'm not quite favored here like the uh glory bringers like you mentioned and then those the phoenixes just uh, the redundancy of it there but i have death Gord scavenger now i feel a little bit better about the phoenixes well game two he starts turn he's on the play he starts turn two glint sleeve siphoner uh, my turn two is Servant of the Conduit. His turn three is another Glint Sleeve Siphoner and a ca- attacks. He's like three energy right now and, and a couple of Siphoners. 
my turn three winding constrictor and then a walking ballista for two. And then I blew up both of his siphoners. So I was like, at this point, I have traded away his board and taken back initiative because I have this snake and servant in play to start, you know, getting pressure in next turn. He spends his fourth turn main phasing a removal spell. It's probably an abrade on my snake because he doesn't want to play into spell pierce. It's a, it's a fine play. And if that's what he's going to do anyways, it makes sense to just main phase it while I'm tapped out. But my next turn is Rishkar. I make a 3-3 Rishkar, and my other creature is just this uh, servant that's left over because he blew up my snakes. Now I have a 3-3 servant. I swing for three. He goes to 17. So I have two 3-3s. He untaps and plays a phoenix, um, which I'm not excited about. I untap, and I draw Death Gorge Scavenger. So this is just like the, the finals were like one of those cases where everything starts lining up for me. Is pretty fantastic, but I swing both my three threes and he tanks for a little bit and kind of puts me on Death Gorge Scavenger, but decides it's for the best to not just like take six infinite and make me have it. Well, his next turn is another Phoenix, casts another Phoenix and passes to me. I've had a Ravenous Chupacabra in my hand since the opener, and just it was like the easiest play of the tournament. I just untap. Chupacabra away his phoenix, go to combat, swing with everything, Death Gorge scavenge, eat his other phoenix, and like everything was spiraled so far out of control at that point. Just so many good tempo swings, and so I won that game. Will, were you at one and one at this point? And I think we were looking at your hand for game three. Yeah, that's what happened. Like game one, I remember I thought seized to. Gurmag Angler, and that leaves him with, I think, only a Delver. And knowing his main deck uh, for game one, like I just know he has no answers main deck to a Merit Lage. So I just pushed through a Merit Lage after taking something like nine damage from a Delver. And uh, game two was actually the game where I blocked the Pyromancer with the Dryad Arbor, but it turns out it wasn't enough even after that. <laughs> like I know I, I thought see something, I decayed a Delver and then blocked the Pyromancer and even with all that, he drew another Delver and then eventually killed me with it. He had, I think, double Wasteland, which is really difficult to get through. And then before we could get to game three, we were told to wait and see if I would need to play that game three. Which you didn't. But even if you did, you would have won because I, I liked your hand. So Luke, Lucas's match was the, the one that I, I kind of, it wasn't the deciding match because Will would have been the deciding match. But it's, it's on scg.com starcitygames.com and i think that does it a lot better a lot better justice than i could or lucas could but when i started watching it they were in game three and vant spirits had just cast a rest in peace so our deck was turned off but we it looked like it was well it didn't look like it, it certainly was a turn too late for him lucas um, had already done his thing we had a good board presence and caleb was somewhere around like 12 or 11 or so and uh, so the only decisions we had to do was like, is like what the combat is and how, what the math is to get them to zero before we just lose our board since our, our deck has turned off at this point. And uh, mm -hmm. we made those decisions. Um, fortunately, like after looking at the video replay, it looked like Caleb had a couple of collected companies and was breaking on lands. So he wasn't able to swing the game back after the rest in peace. 
the last draw step for for Lucas was he peels a blood gas, which has haste at this point, and there wasn't a card in Caleb's deck that was going to deal with that many creatures. Like even if the blood gas got spell quellered, um, which puts us down an attacker and him up a blocker, we were still the math was there to get through the last two points with just like Narc Amoeba. So it's fantastic. Yeah, I'm glad you guys had a good time. I'm I was so happy to see that you guys won. It was I don't know, just just really cool, especially cuz you guys are not, you know, wearing the esports jerseys. You guys don't get to go every single weekend and and grind moto all day long. So so nice to see some of the normal some of the nice guys win. I guess maybe Lucas is not one of the nice guys, but he's still one of my favorite people. Yeah, just just huge congratulations to you guys. Uh I, I mean, I don't really have anything else to say. Just just happy to see you guys won. And, and thank you guys so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate talking to you. Yeah, thank you for, for having us. Oh, no problem. It is it is absolutely my pleasure. Um, if people want to find you on Twitter or somewhere else on the internet, um, what's the best way for people to get in touch with you? Yeah, I'm not a Twitter I guy. I do not do that currently. <laughs> Facebook for me, um, I will respond to you. I'm not a jerk if there's some question you have about my deck but in general like i uh, just i'm not a twitter guy yeah basically same for me just facebook me that's cool just just want to give you guys a chance to uh pub if there's anything you want to pub right yeah actually there is something i'd like to quickly cover um that's the the card shop that supports william and myself that's game theory in raleigh north carolina oh yeah yeah definitely. It's a fantastic shop um, great people, uh, great community. So I'd like to encourage people locally um, in that area to go check it out if, if there's not an awareness behind it. And elsewise, if, you, if you'd like to visit them online, you can see them at GameTheoryStore.com. Yeah, definitely. They're, they're a great shop. I've been several times myself, uh, and I'm kind of sad that I am missing the store championships because they've, they've started that, and that's, re- that's really, really cool for a, you know, just a local store to be doing. Yeah, and I think that's going to be something they're doing a few times uh, a calendar year. So hopefully that keeps up. That's got good traction. And yeah, but yeah. So apologies to anyone who was uh, hoping for some some Collins today. Just could not get onto the show because of the internet problems. We will definitely be back with him next week to talk about the PT that he is playing in this weekend. Anybody that wants to get in touch with us, you can find us on Twitter at at MTG underscore Grindcast or Collins at at Collins Mullen. Thank you so much for listening and everybody have a great week. We'll see you next time.